Well, it is good to be back and uh, see all of you. When I uh, had my stroke, the elders very graciously encouraged me to take all the time that I needed to get well. And so I was not initially uh, scheduled to preach at all this summer. When we were forming the preaching calendar, it was unclear as to whether or not I would be at a place where I could do anything, and so we locked everything in. But then uh, one of the guest speakers we had lined up had to back down, <clears throat> and I said, I'd like, to, I'd like to take that weekend, even though uh, I won't be at 100%, and there are four reasons why I wanted to come back a little bit early. The first is because I wanted to uh, model that we show up at church even when we're broken, even when life isn't working, even when we can't put on our game face and act like we've got this all figured out. Um, There are gyms that you can't go to today unless you're in great shape and you can throw around a lot of weight. Uh, They're not there to get better. They're there because you want to sort of advertise that you're already better. So if you walk into one of those gyms, you got to, you know, comb your hair and change your clothes and suck in your gut because that's what's expected. There are likewise some people who view church that way. I can't show up at church unless I've got everything figured out and dialed in. And that's not why we show up at church. We're not showing up to impress each other. We're showing up to confess our sins, to be instructed in God's Word, to worship God, to encourage one another to love and good deeds. So I wanted to show up early because I expect you to show up when life is also broken. Secondly, uh, I wanted to show up to say thank you. Uh, There are so many people, staff, elders, deacons, so many of you have written, have prayed, have sent me a verse. Uh, You've brought meals to our family. Uh, It was very, very encouraging. Um, I want to also thank you for honoring my uh, family's request for privacy. Uh, When... when, uh, when I got sick, uh, it wasn't so much that I, that I wanted to hide, although that is a tendency. And so just to break that, I actually have a picture. I think you already have seen some of these. Uh, so, uh, but it was just, it was, uh, I was in no place uh, to be, uh, you know, I was just, I was bad company. I was likely to throw up and uh, fall asleep mid-conversation. So, um, I just wanted to say thank you for respecting our, our privacy. Um, you know, the, the third thing, and I guess let me also say, uh, among the, well, the third thing that I want to say is I wanted to show up to ask you to keep praying for me and for us. Uh, I have two sets of prayer requests that I share, and it sort of depends on who's asking. There's a whole set of obviously physical challenges that I continue to face. I'm in much better shape than I was. Uh, A few weeks ago, I would stand, or about six weeks ago, I could stand, but it was like this, and my head was straight, and I couldn't really look around. Uh, And I I actually, for a while there, I couldn't even lay in bed without getting tangled up in the guardrails. So my balance remains an issue. If you see me walking, if I'm walking fast, I can probably walk a straight line. As soon as I slow down, I start to weave like a drunken sailor. So uh, I've got some balance issues. I still have vision challenges. Um, My eyes work. Both eyes work very well. 
but uh, not always together. So uh, sometimes that means things move on me. Sometimes that means I see uh, double vision. Uh, I had a friend, a pastor out in California, who had similar health challenges about 10 years ago, and he said, simplest way to double your congregation is just to get (laughs) double vision. Uh, I don't recommend it, but... um, I have some, some vision issues, and that affects reading, and it affects... I'm not driving. I want to assure you of that. Uh, and then I have some voice challenges, and this is sort of a laryngitis thing, but uh, the stroke paralyzed one of my vocal cords, and who knew, but you need vocal cords to cough. And so I have this really anemic cough, and so when I got had a cold, instead of coughing and being done with it, I just sort of coughed forever and ever and ever and lost my voice. So I'm looking for that vocal fold to go back on. Um, So there's that kind of prayer request. Then there's another prayer request that I would share with you, and that is, uh, it it goes to what the Apostle Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, He is talking about his own health challenges. He says he has uh, a thorn in the flesh, and three times he's prayed that God would heal him. And then he writes this, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 9, if I can find it here. Uh, But he said to me, this is the Lord, but the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, I'm trying to figure that one out. I'm trying to figure out how in being weak God would be magnified. And as a corollary, I would say that some of the the worst days physically uh, were some of the best days spiritually. There was a complete sense uh, on my part of dependence on God and on uh, Sherry and, and some others. And that fostered a sense of intimacy, uh, especially with the Lord, that I'd really rather not lose. But as I gain my independence, I sense that slipping away. And so I've asked people, pray that, that I can hold on to that sweet communion uh, that I enjoyed. Um, the fourth reason that I wanted to preach now is because I'd sort of like to get this over with and move on. Um, I've been out for nine weeks. I find that amazing. On the second day, when I was told that I would probably not be back to work for at least six weeks, I thought they were crazy. Uh, I was trying to get out of the hospital that day. I asked the neurologist if I could fly. Uh, I said, I'm supposed to be in L.A. and Memphis next week, and also Wisconsin. And I said, can I fly? He didn't answer my question. It occurred to me later on, I couldn't even lay in bed without falling out. Here I am asking if I can go on a trip. Um, So I've been out for nine weeks, and I'm going to be out for a few more. And it would be just weird to not say anything about this. So uh, I want to talk about it now and, uh, and then try and focus on things that are a lot more interesting and exciting than my uh, health challenges. So, with those 
reasons for wanting to preach. Let me offer two more little points before we, we start to look at the upside of getting knocked on your backside. Um, two other things that I want to say. First of all, it occurs to me that uh, some of you don't know anything about what's gone on, and I'm not going to go back and rehearse all the details of this. I've written about it. Uh, there have been videos and other things. Ever so briefly, on Good Friday, um, I suffered a spontaneous cerebral arterial dissection, a relatively rare sort of one in a hundred thousand kind of uh, event, a neurological event probably brought about by swimming I was doing because it was too cold to run outside. Um, That spontaneous dissection led to a stroke which affected the back part of my brain, the cerebellar region which doesn't affect memory or cognitive abilities, but it does affect uh, its sort of your brain stem. So it was swallowing, it was uh, vision, it's balance, it's those kind of issues. I spent a week in neuro ICU at Northwestern. I spent a second week in the hospital, three weeks in a stroke rehab facility, and then I have been, uh, I continue to be in therapy three days a week, uh, working on physical therapy as well as some other things. Um, I'm getting better. Those who have an educated opinion about uh, how I should be doing are the most surprised at how well I'm doing. I attribute that to great medical care and to the prayers of God's people. So that's, uh, that's what's been going on. The second thing I want to say before I look at this is I really want to be sure that you don't think that I think that my suffering has eclipsed Uh, yours. Some of you know far more about trials and hardships and suffering than than I ever will. And I want to be clear about that. It's been a hard uh, few months. In addition to the stroke, uh, my father passed away last week. I think we have a picture. Uh, Do we have a picture? So Sherry drove me down. I'm not able to fly, by the way. Sherry drove me down to see him. He was in hospice. So this was a couple days before he passed away. So it's been a season of, uh, of setbacks, and, uh, and I'm more qualified for the series coming this fall called Broken than I was uh, before. But um, <clears throat> as Sherry said, this event has been a little bit like a short-term mission trip for us. We went someplace where life was really hard, and everybody around us had it really hard. But fairly quickly, we got back on the airplane and uh, flew back to the life of ease and privilege that we have known, and that's really how it feels to us. So I just, I, I, I don't want to present myself as an expert on suffering or trials. Uh, I don't see that at all. Some of you know much more about that than I do. But I do want to reflect on some of the things that I've learned. And I would take this out of uh, the book that James wrote, this letter, which we studied in some detail uh, a couple years ago. James, as you may know, was the half-brother of Jesus. They had different fathers. Uh, and he was a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And the letter that he wrote, one of the very earliest letters written that becomes part of the New Testament, written in the 60s, uh, this letter was written to people who were surprised by the difficulties they were facing. For hundreds, thousands of years, the, uh, the Jews have been waiting for the Messiah to show up. 
Well, suddenly he shows up and they're thrilled, except all the things they thought were going to happen, right? That the Romans would be overthrown, they'd be returned, they'd be restored to the glory days that they had enjoyed under Kings David and Solomon. Those things had not happened. As a matter of fact, there was a lot of suffering and trial. Disciples were being martyred. Uh, Families were being torn apart. There was economic and social uh, ostracism of the Christians. And this was surprising uh, many of the, the new followers of Christ. And so James writes, and he opens his letter uh, saying this, verse 2, Consider it pure joy. This is chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Um, So James is writing to say, look, suffering and trials and hardships are not always a bad thing. They can actually be a very good thing. And I would agree firsthand, there are some things you just can't learn, uh, at least not to the level that you can learn them, unless you're in the furnace, unless things are broken. And so James says that, and I want to share three of the takeaways that, uh, that I had coming out of this. More of this is going to come up in the fall. But here were some of my uh, first and most significant takeaways. Number one, uh, we need each other. Uh, my trial reminded me, it clarified for me, that self-sufficiency is a myth. It's a delusion. And the more money we have, and some of us in this room have a lot of money The more money we have, the more we can delude ourselves. Uh, Money can act like a buffer, and we can be independent. Uh, But there will come a time when that money doesn't work for what we most desperately need. We need people. We need each other. We were created in the image of a God who has eternally existed in the fellowship, in the deep friendship love of his own self, right? The triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were made to love and to be loved, and there just isn't anything that substitutes for that. You need 2 a.m. friends, right? And as I've defined 2 a.m. friends in the past, these are people who you not only can call at 2 in the morning when you've had a stroke or when life isn't working, but who would be surprised and a little bit miffed if you didn't call them at 2 o'clock in the morning when things had stopped working. Um, Sherry and I were very encouraged um, by how many people showed up, humbled by how many people showed up. As Sherry certainly did, that was not a surprise. Uh, I've always known that if I went down hard, she would be there calm, loving, uh, thoughtful, wise, caring, and it was, uh, it was just fun to watch that happen. My boys also stepped up. Uh, I wrote about this. One of the fun things about this for, for us has been seeing them step up and act like men. When the old man went down, they stepped in, and they did it in great ways. And as I've also plugged, we had a little, I had a little cats in the cradle moment there on the first night. So it's, uh, it's Good Friday. It's late that night or early in the morning. We still don't realize that I've had a stroke. I think I've just had the flu, and I got a really bad sense of vertigo. And I, I got out of bed. I was going to walk to the bathroom, realized I was too dizzy for that. 
realized eventually I was too dizzy to crawl to the bathroom. And then, of course, I realized I was too dizzy to get back in bed. And, uh, and I wasn't worried about that, just laying on the floor when uh, I was picked up. And I remember thinking at the time, um, okay, these aren't Sherry's arms picking me up. That means it's got to be one of my boys. And that means that this is the first time that we've had this little turnabout, right? I've held them. I've picked them up. They've never picked me up. And here it comes. Wow, I didn't see it coming. But I'm glad uh, to be cared for. So it was great for my family to step up. Many of you stepped up. And I just want to encourage you, right, the time to make friends who are going to care for you when you end up like a turtle on your back, which is going to happen. The time for you to develop those friends is not when you're a turtle on your back and can't do anything, right? We need to be investing intentionally in each other. That's the way things have been designed. Love each other, care for each other, confess our sins for each other, be gracious to one another. We need deep friendships uh, that are going to help us move through. So that was the first clarification for me. The second was that life is short. Um, Those who are my age have some sense of this, or older, have some sense of this already. Those of you who are not, uh, just, you know, uh, take it by faith. The pace of life picks up, and uh, life is short. I had a physical on Thursday, April 17th, and was given a clean bill of health. I had a stroke on uh, Friday, April 18th, uh, and I could have very well died. Life is short, and so I would ask you, are you investing your life? Are you being a good steward of the gifts and abilities, the time, the opportunities that God has given you? Life is short. Eternity is not. The opportunity to make a difference that's going to last for forever is now. And not everything matters. Let me say that. Not everything matters. And there's a whole lot of people who are consumed by things that simply do not matter. Um, I could go one past this and say, life is short, not everything matters, and most of what matters you probably already have. You just don't appreciate it to the extent that you uh, might if it was taken away. That was sure part of what was clarified for me. Because Because one of the fears that follows people having a stroke is that two or three days later their brain will begin to swell and that that will actually be uh, devastating if not fatal. Uh, I ended up on a, um, on a hypertonic saline drip that was going right into my jugular vein. All this salt designed to suck all the water out of my brain. Uh, it was not fun. And uh, I had a massive headache. And I was just very dry and thirsty. <clears throat> and I couldn't drink uh, because I couldn't swallow and because they didn't want me to have water. Um, so I found myself desperately longing for a glass of cold water. That was like what I was missing most of all. And I thought, who would have thought 
that if I'm on my back and think, I may die, what's going on here? What I desperately want, what I'm captivated by, is not, oh, I want to live so I can go on another trip uh, around the world or so that I can do this or write this. It was like, no, I just want to drink a cold water, right? I just want food I can sink my teeth into. I just want to be able to walk with friends and go out to a nice evening, right? Those are the things that I found myself saying, that's what I want. And uh, all those things had been mine, but I didn't appreciate them when I had them. And so life is short. Not everything matters. Uh, What matters most is probably well within your grasp at this moment. Um, The third major point and takeaway that I have is that life is short, so take risks. Um, As I've said before, I never really thought that I was going to die, but I quickly became aware uh, of the statistics. Let me just pause for a second. So um, it looks like there's uh, an event up in the balcony. So if you are medical staff, if I could ask for you to go up there, and I'm just going to pause and we will... uh, The rest of us don't need to do anything except what we can do, and that's to pray. So let um, let me pray. Um, Father, not entirely certain what's going on, but we would um, ask uh, for your healing hand and for wisdom and for those um, doctors, nurses, EMTs, paramedics, others who are able to provide care and help. Would you uh, provide care uh, and, and help at this time? And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So the first point that I shared was that um, we need each other. The second point is that life is short. The third is uh, take risks. One of one of my uh, one of my biggest regrets, and I didn't. I didn't. It's not like I had big regrets. I heard Sherry on the phone when one of the first days say to somebody, "This uh, event hasn't shattered." our lives or shattered our faith. It's just confirmed it. And I thought, yeah, I think that that's true. But I also found myself uh, feeling like I wish I'd take more risks. Uh, More risks for the betterment of other people. Now, again, uh, I I never thought I was going to die, but I became aware of the statistics around having a stroke. Uh, 60% of the people who have a stroke never go back to work. 40% of the people who have a stroke don't leave. They never go home, right? They're either in a hospital or a care facility. So I had had an opportunity to think, I may not uh, ever be back. And what I regretted is that I wasn't bolder, that I didn't take more chances, not for self-promotion, but for others, that I wasn't more bold in the proclamation of the gospel, that I didn't reach out to more people. That was my big frustration and regret. And so uh, I want to say to you again, look, life is short. Eternity is not. The opportunity to make a difference that will last for eternity is today. Don't hold back the resources, gifts, abilities, opportunities that you have. Lean into those things. That's what uh, I think you're going to wish you had done. 
Now, I look forward, as I said, to share more uh, about what I've learned as we move into the fall. Uh, prior to this stroke, I had already been at work uh, on the fall series entitled Broken. And I was doing this series because of my uh, conviction that Americans, and perhaps even especially uh, American Christians, are among the least prepared to suffer of people on the planet and throughout history. In many ways, our lives are easier than anyone's lives have ever been. In other ways, we are not prepared for the trials and hardships that we will face. If you live long enough, you will suffer. It's going to happen. And we can be ready. We can move in that direction. And so I was working already on that series. The fact that this has happened, I think, has been a wonderful blessing because it has changed in so many clarifying ways, my thinking about that. So I just want to say now, in terms of this whole idea of taking risks and doing things that matter, you're going to have an opportunity this fall to invite your friends into the same kind of groups that we've been doing. I'm writing something. There'll be daily readings. There will be video teaching. We're going to encourage you to open up your small groups. All that will tie in with the sermon. And so you'll hear more from me about this as time goes on. Uh, Right now I have two closing, slightly different um, comments that I'd like to make. Number one, uh, if you have not yet been baptized and you are a Christ follower, today you need to sign up so that you can be baptized later this summer at the One Church One Day event. Uh, Last year we had, I think, 91 people get baptized And there really isn't a category in the New Testament for a Christ follower, for someone who's raised their hand and said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, who has not been baptized. It's not that the act of baptism saves us, but it is one of the early steps of obedience. So it is richly symbolic, going under the water and having our sins washed away, going under the water and identifying with Christ in His crucifixion, coming out and identifying with Him in His resurrection. So if you have not been baptized, let me say it again, life is short, take risks, there's no risk here. I baptized several thousand people, haven't lost any of them. This is a low-risk thing. Do not say, I'm a little embarrassed, it'll little be awkward, my hair's going to get wet. Think about it. Sign up to get baptized. And uh, we're going to show this brief video here about One Church One Day. Hey, welcome to One Church One Day. It is Sunday morning. People are streaming in from both campuses and all six services. We've got gorgeous weather. We've got a hundred people stepping up to be baptized. We've got worship time, picnic, games. Hope you're here. If you're not, you're missing out. But uh, most of Baptized. Like I'm just talking to people I don't even know and they're saying like congratulations. 
so happy and it's sunny and uh, everyone's full of food. It's endless and cold to Yeah, it's awesome. Just knowing that we're not alone in this, we always have Christ, and everyone here is like, you know, encourage us and support us in our faith. One particular Shake student, my oldest daughter, Kayla, came back to us. I got to do that, which was very, very So One Church One Day is going to happen on uh, August 10th, and uh, it'll be a Banner Day camp. Sign up uh, today, sign up this morning for an opportunity to be baptized later this summer. Don't put this off. Um, Secondly, um, please read your email from me later uh, this evening. For about a year, uh, I've been sharing brief updates about a strategic team of elders, deacons, and staff that have been working on ways we can more fully lean into our mission of proclaiming the good news and engaging in good works. And we've talked about how uh, that sort of has been distilled. The proclamation part has looked like a third site, and the good works looks like a bunch of things, but especially some things in North Chicago. Uh, I'm going to send out an email tonight talking about a third site opportunity that we have that we're very excited about. And um, if you don't get emails from me once a month or so, uh, then you won't get this email. If you want it, you need to give us your name and email address, and we'll make sure that that goes out tonight. Well, as as I said at the start, it's good to be back, and uh, I look forward to what God has in store for us as we lean more fully into our mission. Remember, uh, we need each other. Remember, life is short. Not everything matters. Uh, Eternity is not short. Take advantage of the opportunities that you have now to do the things that will matter for forever. And that means take some risks. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the many blessings that you give us, so many that we take for granted. We look right past them. The gifts of balance and coughing and voice, the gifts of friendship, the the wonderful, gracious blessing of a glass of cold water, Um, so many of the things that are ours we do not give five seconds thought to. I want to thank you for the many, many ways you have richly blessed us. I want to ask that you would give us wisdom to know how we could be better stewards um, of the opportunities that we have so uh, abundantly. Help us to live today in light of eternity. Help us to understand that life is short and that eternity is not. And to be inspired and filled by your Spirit to take those kinds of risks that are going to matter. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.